0: our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure.
1: So stupid. All right. Welcome
0: back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the young Grognar, kicking it to you live with another episode of the beckets of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure the Kings and the Quest Gore Gareth. Our party in the last few episodes have been making their way downtown. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Making their way over to the barony of Sulfide in order to find Eindindirith, the white dragon, hoping to get some of its sweet dragon blood in order to make a potion of fire immunity, hoping that they might hopefully be able to melt that slab of steel, make the piece fit, make the portal, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, we're on our way to go get some dragon blood. But on the way, our friends have dealt with the forces of darkness with Valaketh, as well as strange metal forces of our friend, the Herald of Steel. And as of late, we're dealing with square poop and wombats in a hill troll named Bacalop Gelp. Uh, one of these is our favorite, and I'm not going to pick who. But after befriending the hill troll, Bacalop Gelp, uh, our party were shown where a group of goblins were, were hanging out in uh, hide over by Hillhide. Uh, but right when they had met these goblins who were hiding in a cave, uh, a strange man leapt out of the bushes and threateningly shook weapons at Kalika and the goblins. So, um, yeah, one hell of a recap. Uh, but yeah, that that leaves us with our friend, a man wearing what appears to be the uh, heraldric symbolage of Solvide. Um uh, uh, I guess, standing there, borderline, foaming at the mouth, jiggling a sword at you guys. Or particularly at Klika, And he just says, ah, I knew I would find you eventually. Throw down your weapons. You're coming with me. Is Klika still up on uh, Bacalop? No. You guys were let down so
1: you could meet with the goblins. Yeah. Okay. Which the goblins are still before you in the cave mouth, but he's holding the
0: sword and aiming it at you. He looks to be of like middle age. He definitely looks brutish and tough, strong looks like he's been through quite a lot. And he definitely seems to be wearing the, the armor of somebody who's probably of a higher rank in a military force. So this guy looks to be like a captain or something, but he has definitely seen better days. will Put flicker on the ground. Okay. And then so he starts aiming it over at the goblins in the cave behind you, one of which had introduced himself as Gudwix. And so as he aims the sword at them, he says, all of you, drop your weapons. I knew I'd find you eventually. I knew you were hiding. And finally, gonna, I can get my revenge.
4: He's going to step up to this guy. He says, what are you doing?
0: Um, I'll let you roll like a persuasion on that one to get him to calm down. Can you roll yeah. for calm down?
4: Can I do a calming... Do
0: you want I to cast a spell it. at I this man while he's holding a sword? I know. But in the time it's going to take you to cast that spell, we're going to have to roll initiative and all that stuff. So I would recommend you roll in the free action of speech because, again, if you go to cast a spell and he deflects it,
4: I got it's going to look five. like you
0: just cast a spell at this guy. What?
4: I got a five on persuasion, so I don't think I was that persuasive
0: you're like enough you're like calm down <laughs> yeah he definitely doesn't calm down and he says you you might be the only one around here who i can convince of this these ones and he looks over at Norhill hill and he kind of raises an eyebrow and shakes his head as if like he must be seeing some things but he starts backing away and kind of like grasps at your arm anton to kind of pull you back with him. and he says these ones can't be trusted they came through here a couple of weeks ago and look what's happened. And from where you guys are on a hilltop looking down at Hillhide, this place has been destroyed. There are ice chunks and like snow drifts just hanging out in the middle of well, I guess, like the hotter part of of spring. But this place just has been destroyed and ramshackled. Smoke still kind of billows from some of the buildings in in tiny drifts, but it's, yeah, this whole place has been destroyed. And Todd
4: kind of tries to him off and he's like, this looks like a dragon happened. I, I don't understand if you're a dragon, but what do these folks have anything to do with this?
1: He says,
0: a goblin army came through here. Are you Are you foolish? Did you not see the corpses along the way? My men did good work disposing of many of the bugbear brutes and many of those goblins, as he wiggles his finger now at Klika, having lowered the blade with you talking to him, and he says, and if I can do one thing with the last breaths I have, I'm gonna kill each goblin I see. They're not to be trusted. Everything you know about goblins is wrong. Wait, we can't trust them?
2: Is, uh, he's still holding on to Anton?
0: No.
2: What?
4: No. Oh, I shrugged him off. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of tried to, like, not damage his pride. Like, get, get your hand off, bro. Like, when you back,
0: pick it up. Off, ol- I was going <laughs> to say, Bacalop Gulp, by the way, not to interrupt you, is just standing there in the most awkward way possible. Like, you're at a dinner party with your friends who are married, and they're having, like, a brutal fight right in front of you. And you're just standing there holding the leftovers that you don't want to take home. Bacalop Gulp is just standing there with, like, one single wombat, like, a hamster in his hand, and he's just, like... So, what were you going to say, Norhill?
2: Uh, Norhill's going to step up. Uh, Good captain, I'm sure that this situation can be resolved peacefully with no need for brandishing weapons or manhandling my companions.
0: And with that, one of the goblins kind of steps up beside Klika, behind Norhill and puts the head over her shoulder and says, Yeah, we're not the goblins you're looking for, I promise. And one of them from the back chimes in a little bit too proud about this, but says, "Yeah, we're deserters.
1: Yeah, so, we like we like dessert too." Let's see. the odds are headed takes. agreement. So <laughs> I think we're us we're both you know we're all different here, different from those who came through before. So we're good.
0: And with that, he just kind of puts his hands on his shoulder and cocks his head in a very strange and inhuman way. And he says, oh, I'm supposed to just believe this. You all strolled in with a goblin of your own. You think I'm going to trust anything you people have to say? And he I grabs mean, again it's... for Anton and he says, I need all the help I can get. Perhaps if we can get to Fort Evergreen, we'll be able to make some sort of a difference. Maybe we can save some people. But I'm not going to go down without a fight. One
2: shot Fort Evergreen.
0: As the reinforcements. It's the last stand. I stayed with Hillhide up until its end, hoping that maybe some of my men might come back. That, and I've been hunting down every goblin and bugbear I could find on the way. And if that dragon ever returned, I'd rather die a frozen man than to just run out of here in
1: fear.
2: Uh, Norhill's going to turn to the goblin who chimed in a minute ago. Uh, Do you have proof that you and your people uh, were not responsible for the violence that happened here?
0: With that, he just kind of shrugs. This is Goodwicks, by the way, and he just kind of shrugs and he says, I mean, apart from the fact that our weapons have no blood on it and we've eaten all of our rations, we've been hanging in this cave for a long time, hoping for a good time to get out of here.
1: Yeah, and we just got here, so it couldn't have been us.
3: We're, we're trying to hunt the dragon
1: too and with that the the
0: captain here uh he just kind of like leans even weirder on his side and he turns his head and he says
1: hunting the dragon are you insane oh uh... well,
4: not at this point in our adventuring series no we've we've faced much a stranger beast this might done just
0: um. <laughs> it's like trust me sir this is the side quest the weird stuff is already <laughs> waiting for us at home it's like so if you could just point us in the direction of the nearest uh, dragon blood sanctuary that'd be stellar um but with that he just kind of shakes his head back and forth he says you'd have no chance trying to get all the way up there onto the mountain
3: Well, we've we've climbed a couple mountains before.
1: Yeah, what's, and he kind what's of one more. He just
0: points a hand up to the mountain peaks where you guys can see like far, far away up there. And the peaks that you guys see on the Sunderspine Mountains there, the Dwarvish Mountains, they are already kind of towered over the Akaratos Mountains. So it's like the mountain peak that he points to is like drifting among the clouds there but he just kind of chuckles a little bit to himself and he says, climbed mountains? Sirs and madam, this is the mountain. That right there is the peak, Stone's Reach. And I tell you, if you've climbed mountains, this is surely something more than just a mountain. And he turns to Norhill and says, I suppose you might be the only only one with any sort of loan capacity to handle such a trek, but that's a suicide mission.
2: Well, perhaps there's another way uh, that doesn't require scaling the faces.
0: And with that, he just kind of shakes his head back and forth and he says, That beast, the white dragon, Frostwing, it may be stupid and brutal, but its brutishness is what's made its strategy so impossibly good. It flew straight up to the top and forced its men to just walk up, marching behind it. If there's any way up there, it's a painful, treacherous way. That dragon wasn't looking to come back down with troops.
1: It's looking to protect its spot, I'm sure.
2: Well, one way or another, we need to reach it. And whether you and your people know something or these goblins know something, we must find out. And under my watch, I'd prefer these talks not come to violence.
0: With that, he just kind of looks over at Klika and he sort of like furrows his brow a little bit and he says, I feel like I can trust you. Maybe it's just because you have made friends with such trustworthy individuals, but I don't know. You look like somebody I knew. Either way. And he points over at Gudwick's and he says, I'll let you go and I'll let you live but I better not see you around Hillhide ever again. You know, that, well, the goblin just kind of like turns his head back and forth and he says, well, I don't know exactly where we're supposed to go.
3: Don't you need help at um, the fort? Maybe these goblins and we could help you guys there.
0: And so he just kind of shakes his head. He says, that's the last stand. The fighting has stopped. The goblins have all left and gone to the mountains.
3: So, what's happening at the fort, then, that's making it the last stand?
0: It's just where all the soldiers have left. That's where they're hanging out. It's a fort. It's the only one safe place to to really hold up. But... I haven't been there since the dragon last
1: attacked. I've been waiting here. Protecting my home. Well, that
3: was really brave of you.
0: He looks so taken aback by that comment. And he just like kind of turns to you in a weird way. And he says, you know, I needed that. (laughs) He's like, "When you're alone out here for literally like a week by yourself. It, It gets very difficult. But he says, the only thing that I really have at this point is my character and my bravery. And if that means I have to stand here and fight shadows and pretend like maybe I have a purpose anymore, then so be it. I'll die a man who swore his life to service and died in that honorable way.
3: But that doesn't.
0: Meanwhile, that one squeak goblin in the, that one squeaky goblin in the back who said we're deserters kind of coughs to himself a little bit I
4: think we need a but bit
2: with more that. context here there's no need to pretend that you have a purpose the fact that you and your companions uh, uh, managed to survive this situation is a testament to both uh, your valor and your skill and should anybody ever wish to return to these lands and uh, farm the fields and work the crafts ever again, then they'll need strong soldiers to protect them.
0: And so with that, he just kind of shrugs a little bit and he says, I suppose in that case, maybe it would be an idea for us to go to the fort and see what's left. I've done pretty much everything I can do, I suppose. and. I am the last one here. So I suppose what might make sense for us is to go there and see what's left.
4: What is your name?
0: I am Captain. Name that's definitely right on my tongue. You know what's weird? I know his name is Captain Darum, but it's Captain Darum Potwile. There you go. There you go. But with that, he says, I am Captain Darum Potwile, I guess the last sanding in Hillhide.
4: Well, Captain, I'd be happy to join you back in your fort, but I need a bit of if you can provide it context. I understand that there was a dragon attack here, but you're mentioning goblin armies. What does that yes, have any to the dragon?
0: From what you guys remember, I mean, watching the Akeratos Mountains and being in the telescopic room there, and from what you'd heard from the gnomes, I mean, the goblins of the Akeratos Mountains were on a forced march in the same exact path of the dragon. And so, hearing that goblins attacked the same place that the dragon did, it looks like you might want to get the context from the people standing behind Klika and Norhill, rather than this guy.
4: Well, I'm just getting it from him, because I am trying to hopefully to, like, get him out of there so like they can get your to talk cuz he's like taking up way too much time to talk and he's get out of the space.
0: You not shut up?
4: I got to out Tell of me thing? that
0: my NPC won't shut up.
4: Yeah, I, I am.
0: I'd like to recount for you my favorite limericks.
1: <laughs> oh, clicker yeah. sits down. Look <laughs> you, chair. How, how about you come over here and tell us about that bud? now So um, but with that uh, <laughs> that's what
4: Anton's thinking, like if you can kind of get him out of there, maybe if anyone wants to stay. I mean, he you
0: definitely after being complimented on his duty and seeing that the goblins aren't even doing anything other than like eating their peanut butter jelly sandwiches they packed, like he kind of seems to be a bit disarmed, you know, even just from talking to you guys for a little bit here. But yeah, so it doesn't look like he's gonna be harmful or aggressive or anything, unless you're trying to get him out of here so he can't talk while they're talking.
4: Yeah, that's what that's that's more of the lines Anton's going down because he could see them he like awesome. to do something, and he'll just like talk. He's that that's what Anton's perceiving. So he's like, maybe we gotta get these two different sides of the conversation separately. <laughs>
0: I mean, in that case, you could try to direct him away.
4: Yeah, that's why Anton was like, maybe we should go by the fort.
0: Well, he's coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good thing he's not the white dragon in human form but with that um, our party uh, is what now we're going to start heading to the fort
3: I mean Klingon,
0: if the goblins are coming yeah but Clica wants to talk to the goblins if they're not going to come yeah it looks like the goblins are definitely not like as eager as the captain is but with that the captain says oh look I'm going to go pack the things that I have so that we can head off to the fort I'll be right back. Give me five minutes.
2: He's going he on a starts running retreat. away.
0: Yeah, right? So with that, uh, Goodwicks and the gang are just standing there behind you. And there's about five of them in total. So
3: you guys were well, you so your Korobok followed the dragon but then you didn't want to hurt people so you started hiding here
0: so they're going to reply to you in the goblin tongue just because they having you around as a goblin just feels culturally appropriate especially when you start throwing goblin words in there but in the goblin tongue which I'd actually are you the only one who speaks goblin here most likely
4: Anton does not see, speak goblin.
2: Norhill most certainly does not speak goblin.
4: But I can cast tongues. But wait, no. Anton's not really here. He's walking with the other dude. He's walking with the captain. So. Oh,
0: I, is rem- he?
2: Uh,
4: I assumed yeah. you were
0: going to stay here.
4: Well, I think he was going to wait for the captain to get back and then head to the fort with him.
0: I mean, the fort is, like, days away.
2: Yeah, the fort's not nearby. Oh. And he's gone to Gather his supplies before leaving.
0: You got what you wanted. He's done talking. Okay, Anton. Uh-oh. You defeated the boss. But, um, but yeah, in the in the goblin tongue, they reply back and they say, "Our core back, uh, it, it's it's broken." They say it has been fractured, and the piece that remains. They look at one another, and Gudwick speaks up and he says. This is as much of a Korbach as we have. They say the others went with the dragon. The others followed the shaman. But we didn't feel like following either. They said it's a fool's errand. It's nothing but, a you know, lesser of two evils. And we chose not to do either.
3: From what the captain said, it sounds like a lot of them aren't going to make it up to the peak with the dragon either. It just doesn't seem right.
0: Yeah, and they all look very solemn at this mention and they say, we come from the Akeratos Mountains. Many of them are very gifted in climbing and many of them are very gifted with uh, mountaineering, so it seems unlikely that they'll die but Goodwick seems to believe that just being around such a a vile leader and with their chief, the way she is, it doesn't seem like that's a very safe place to be. Do you,
3: do you know why your shaman asked you to take on this task?
0: Um, And at this point, they kind of look around and see the rest of your party, just hanging out with the wombats and, and back a lot and so Gudwick speaks up in the common tongue again, and he says, our chieftain, she is likely not well. He says, from what I've heard and from what I recall, when the white dragon came to our caves and told us that we had to basically be under him or we would be killed, she took it upon herself to follow his will to the last word. And so he says, I'm an older goblin. I've been around for nearly 50 years, he says, but she has never been a bad person and she has only done what's good for everybody. I don't know why she would side with the white dragon on this.
3: Perhaps she was just trying to protect her Korbok, but if that means all of this Destruction. clicka doesn't know if that's the right choice. Um, Klica and her friends are trying to track down Idendereth and stop them if we can. But Clica thinks that maybe you should join us when we go to Fort Evergreen. Um, it will be-
0: Yeah, the Gudwix immediately starts shaking his head back and forth, and he looks at everybody in the group and starts kind of like extending his arms out to everyone and says, Well, we appreciate what you're offering, and we think it's a safe idea. Nobody will welcome us, and especially not after everything that's happened here. Us goblins have had to fight long and hard in order to be respected in these lands, and I'm sure wherever it is that you come from, you have also had your fair share of hardships. I'm sure many here, as he points to the rest of the group, probably didn't trust you at first glance, and I think that with what happened with the goblins previously, I think it's safe to say they're not going to trust us at the fort, and we'll likely be killed on sight. I think our place is some cave somewhere. Maybe we can head back to the Akeratos Mountains if things are safe enough, and hopefully hopefully find a foothold so we can start anew. Uh...
2: And Norhill will say, well, if that is what you wish, um, all all along the northern feet of the Sunderspine Mountains, I've left this rune, and he'll draw the Dwarven rune in the dirt so that they can see it. Uh, That marks a place that might be good to build a shuttle. Uh, While there's nothing there now, I think they're all places with potential. And at the very least, you might find a safe hidey hole in one of them for your journey.
0: And so that he just lifts an eyebrow and he says, and who are you to be giving out such real estate, such places for us to keep hold? We don't feel like it's a safe space to be. Well, I'm sure, as you know, as he kind of looks at the ground and at his feet, dwarves haven't much forgotten what happened in the War of the Bleeding Stone. I don't think we'd be welcome there anyway.
2: Of course not, and old hurts from previous wars are are slow to be forgotten, for better or for worse. However, we need all allies that we can get in the current war. And as for who I am, I am Norhill Hammerstone, Lord of the Halls of Silver and Steel, the first king of his name.
0: You know, that they look, Goodwix looks a little astonished. The one who said that they were deserters stops picking his nose real quick and looks at you as if that was some very famous and fancy proclamation. And so they just look slack jawed at you for a moment. And one of them kneels and gets kind of slapped on the back of the head. And Goodwix gives you a slight nod with the head. And he says, I had no idea that you were of such a stature. But that I, I'm sorry if perhaps I was rude at any point with how I spoke to you.
2: Apologies are unnecessary.
0: And so with that, they say, we are very grateful for what you have offered us, and we will try our best to find a safe enough location. And if we can find a space, we'll do our best to fortify it with what means we have. And if any other deserters come our way, we'll do our best to offer them your good graces and say, we're here on word of the Lord himself.
2: Very good, I only, I only ask two things in return, that your people keep your hands clean and not uh, bedevil anyone else of these lands and should the need arise to bring warning of the movements of the iron maelstrom.
0: And so with that, one of the goblins pulls out from his belt pouch, a small ram's horn And they all kind of look at each other very guiltily, as if the horn maybe was important to what they were doing here. And you can tell just by looking at the the whole exchange of eyeballs back here, that by deserting as they did, they caused quite a blunder in whatever battle took place here. And the one holding the horn chimes in and he says, I will blow the horn if I must. I will send warnings. This is a cause worth defending. And they all kind of start nodding in agreement.
2: A volition for its call, and your contribution should it come will not be forgotten.
0: And so as they all kind of nod back and forth and start to get their things ready to leave after telling you guys they don't want to be here when the captain comes back, thinking maybe having tripped his way back into the burning and frozen village, he might change his mind on how he feels about them. Um, so they start to get ready to go, and as the troops start walking along the mountainside again, um, Goodwicks stops and turns to Norhill to shake his hand and give him a nice polite bow and give a, you know a goodbye to both Anton and Jarzak as well. Uh, he stops and looks to Klica again in the Goblin tongue. He says, "Where exactly do you hail from?"
3: Um, Klikka's not really sure. Well, uh, when Klika was little, she belonged to a group of mages, and then she got freed from them, and she's been an adventurer since, um, so he, but Clicka he, doesn't like... really know
0: w- who her first Korbok was. And so he just kind of tilts his head with a look that's very pitiful. And he just says, many of the goblins of the Akeratos Mountains do not know their grandparents and their great-grandparents and have had to start new family lineages in the mountains. The war was terrible and bloody, he says. But by looking at you and your age, I'm sure maybe I knew your parents. He says, do you recall their names?
3: Um, Klikka's mom's name is, um, Phil greased.
0: And with that, the, he just kind of lifts an eyebrow and he says, uh, I have no idea who that is. And he says, perhaps you are not of the Akeritos Mountains, but for you to be treated the way you were, I don't know. And so he just kind of shakes it off a little bit. And he says, you look familiar, but not in a sense that I've seen you before. But you look like you'd belong to our core bark. except for the fact you smell like pennies. But that aside, I mean, either way, you are a friend of the goblins of the Acaratos Mountains, even if you are not from there. And we wish you good tidings and good luck. And he gives a nod and uh, darts out of there to catch up with them.
3: Before you go, would you mind telling me the name of your uh, chieftess?
0: And with that, he says, "Her name is Rakrata. And she's is a bugbear, and she is very, very old and very wise." And he says, "And if it's any sign of anything from what I saw in the battlefield, she is incredibly deadly. Our control over lightning and thunder." in such a pocketed space, was very, very dangerous. Well, but
3: thank you. Her healing,
0: magics, her healing magics, however, were certainly miracles in their own right. So I'm not exactly sure what state of mind she's in, but I firmly believe, like you said, it's just for the best of the people. And I suppose that's the best anybody could ever hope for. I do hope she's okay and can be saved. But with a reluctant grin, he just kind of looks to you and darts off again and runs back towards the mountains. And with that, our friend the captain arrives and he looks to the goblins running away and he says, well, we're probably better off without them. So shall we be off? Did
3: uh, Bacalop go with the goblins or stay with us? Or has he just
0: sort of... really been standing here awkwardly the entire time with his hands in his non-existent pockets, just kind of like...
3: Um... Buckle up, where are you gonna go?
0: And so he's just like, oh, oh me? Uh Well, uh... You know, the uh wombats certainly need me, and, um... Uh, I had a really nice spot between a couple of hills that I was taking a good, good a uh, ten year nap before that dragon showed up. So uh, I'm gonna go take a nap.
3: Please go wants to take a
0: nap, <laughs> but with that he says, "Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say?"
4: Anton was just gonna say he supposes we should be headed off then, and he gives. Our troll friend, he wants to give him a handshake to thank him.
0: He gives you a single finger for you to grab onto and, like, er, er, shake it like, up and down. But with that, he says, as he starts walking away, he awkwardly kind of turns back halfway through and he says, uh, If it's all right the captain, I'm going to take a nap outside this town, just uh, just in case. And the captain kind of looks at every one of you guys and just... Gives a nod and he says, "Just don't bring more of those wombats, please." The troll gives a look like, "Yeah, yeah, right." No wombats. As a single wombat sitting on his shoulder poops a single qu- little square poop, and he's like, "No wombats here." Just one, obviously super pregnant wombat. She's <laughs> like, "What did I just say?" No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. But with that, the uh, captain says, I don't have a mount, but if somebody's willing to allow me, I could jump on and ride with you to make this go a lot faster.
4: Can they fit on, can Anton and him fit on this one horse or is that too much?
0: I suppose so. You've got a sturdy mount. Um, So the thing is, is the party could get to Fort Evergreen if you want to like bust ass and get there tonight. But you will be running into the chance of exhaustion getting there by nightfall. Uh, alternatively, you could stay here for the night. But it's up to you.
2: Split the difference, uh, cover what ground we can, and then
1: camp. I suppose so.
0: Okay. Uh, And so with that, uh, as the party uh, travels on their way, following the mountain again, um, once you go around the mountains that have kind of like, how do I say this, Uh, sort of encircled the town of Hillhide, once you get around that like farther edge and you can see the forest line of Thalvir, uh, the Thalvir wood there, um, it's just like so much elven wood. And you can tell that the elevation kind of descends down into the forest And the fort seems to be like the last sort of, I don't want to say this, uh, the sort of last bit of like a good altitude available before the elven wood. Um, But even from where you guys are, you can see it in the distance as like a speck built into the mountains, but it's certainly built right into like a forested section of mountain. So it sort of blends in with the trees, but it's definitely stands out defiant. Um, And so by uh, nightfall, um, you guys are able to make camp the captain says that being so close to the fort and lighting off a fire, if it is occupied, which it very well could be, he says a fire could be dangerous. And so he gives fair warning, saying that's probably not the best idea. So what would you guys like to do at camp?
2: Um, no fire, but Anton's lantern, I guess, and inside the tent, so it doesn't shine too bright. And yeah. you-
4: to learn about the captain's life. He wants to understand what was this place before the dragon came because he has say, actually,
0: places, but you were you live here the closest, you were north of here in Glory Wake. But, um, you actually rolled like a 20 on the history check to know the baron. So, for what it's worth, I mean, you out of everybody have a pretty good idea. So, are you talking more of like uh, a more like personal understanding of what this yeah. place was like or?
4: I think personal, what? like, local, okay. like, getting that sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he just kind of looks very teary-eyed as he talks about it, but he says that this place used to be a very quaint and very calm and, like, quiet place. Again, even from looking at, like, how the mountain range is and looking at, like, the trees out here, this is, like, I would say, like, high-altitude Colorado or, like, high-altitude Oregon-Washington. Like, it's very... Very, like, because of the altitude, it's a little bit more chilly than other places. But because of the trees and how rocky and barren certain sections are, it's kind of breathtaking when you can get to certain places of, like... uh uh clearing so this place that he's called home his entire life it's a place that's been sort of defined by storytelling and tall tales and so he says that most of the children learn how to read and how to write through learning these stories and reciting them and and practicing that way so basically when he talks about his life here he just mentions like how much he loves the children of this place and loves sort of like the uh childish wonder that comes from their culture out in Solthide. Um, He mentions that having elves around is also kind of a treat and that once in a lifetime, people usually end up crossing paths with at least one elf. Um, and he sort of looks rather reluctant and glum knowing that going to Fort Evergreen, they're probably going to run into elves. And he thinks about how many people, or at least he wonders this aloud, how many people must have met elves for the first time right before their death. Defending the fort. But, you know, he's just assuming that the elves came out to help, judging by the fact that uh, before the dragon arrived, elves had appeared from the Thelvir wood and were kind of making it known that a lot of danger was on the horizon and spoke with the Baron himself. So, from what it sounds like, the queen of the uh, Aesiris here must have sent some forces shortly after you guys left. After you did what you did and got rid of the uh, King Fantil there, Shay Fanteel, or at least what was left of them.
1: Yeah. It
0: sounds like she sort of sent over people to help these people in Sulfide. But, yeah. Sad. Sad, really. But, with that, the uh, captain wonders if he's able to recite sort of a story for you guys, one of his favorite little children's folk stories and asks if you you might know it yourselves or not saying that a lot of times the kind of folklore stories that he hears out here um, don't really leave Sulfide. And they're such like a cultural thing that like, there's like hundreds of stories that they come up with and nobody ever hears them except for the citizens. So, he wonders if you guys would be willing to hear him out telling a story.
2: Sure. Of course.
0: Okay. So, he goes into a story about a small little bear who so badly wanted honey but couldn't climb the tree. And there's, it's just like one of those really cheesy little stories that has like sort of a deeper meaning to it. But he chokes up very much so at a point where he talks about how the baby bear cried to his father bear to give him a boost and ask for help. And you can tell he chokes up very, very hard at that point and like almost catches himself like telling a story that's going to make him sad as he's like in the middle of telling it. You know what I'm talking about? Like when somebody's like, well, that's about the day that, oh, you know what I mean? Like one of those moments. And he catches himself and kind of chokes a little bit on his throat there. And he sort of like throws his hands up and says, but it's not important. I guess the, the story ends with the bear getting exactly what he wanted, but with a nice sting in the rump from a few of the bumblebees. But that's why we always leave flowers near the bee's nest. And we get the honey we need. And he gets up, brushes off his knees and his butt, and he goes and walks into the tent.
4: I wonder how many people passed the attack. Don't imagine. Being the last
0: person in Hillhide, I imagine at least hundreds, but, you know.
2: I wonder how many other times in the past they suffered similarly to tell a tale like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's not not great here in Sultide, but would that... Was there anything else you guys wanted to say before hitting the hay? I
2: don't think so. Uh,
3: I think click is good for bed.
1: And Drozak's good.
3: click is yeah. gonna try her best to sleep for ten years like a troll.
1: It
4: can't. That's good.
0: It just need more wombat poop. It's it's the secret ingredient to a good nap. But with that, uh, the party sleeps through the night pretty well and anybody who finds themselves unable to sleep with all the stress and the terror on the horizon, uh, there is a moment during the night where a very, very loud dragon's like roar echoes through the mountains. And as <laughs> the captain like is already waiting at the entrance to the tent looking out, he kind of gestures to whoever might stir in their sleep from this, points out to the sky and he says, it's a little unfair that such a beautiful night sky has to be ruined by all of this and if you look outside from what it for what it's worth the stars are out probably more piercing than usual as it's a clear cloudless night and like all the stars are in full effect but yeah who would have woken up and come to the tents edge
2: uh, Norhill definitely I imagine he's a white sleeper in general especially when on a march.
4: No, Anton's definitely like a sleeper. He'll definitely be sleeping.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, Cleek is already about, you know, a decade ready of sleep coming her way. So, I mean, I don't think she's waking up over this sort of thing, but yeah. For uh, what it's worth, Norhill and uh, this uh, the captain standing here at the entrance for a split second, you almost can't believe what you see, but a single shooting star arcs across the sky in like a quick little zip. And with that, he sort of turns to you and nudges you on the shoulder and he says, why, if we were boys, I imagine you and I might get a little bit more excited about something like that. You know what they said about shooting stars?
2: They say they grant wishes.
0: Well, some wishes, uh, I guess, don't always come true. And with that, he turns to you with a look of pain. And probably recognizes with such a solemn point that you probably recognize that pain as well. And as two old guys who are like on the wrong side of warfare, like you have such an understanding, I would imagine, of what that means to hear that and feel like, well, if only wishes came true, right? And then you think about all the people you've met and lost. And he gives sort of a reluctant pat on the shoulder. He says, I'm sure the dragon won't come for us in the tent. It's probably best to get some shut-eye while we can.
2: Early March in the morning.
0: And so as the first birds of the morning sort of start chirping and and doing their thing, singing and whatever, uh, you guys can roll a perception check real quick.
2: Uh, Norhill got a 10. Uh,
3: 2 minus 1, 1.
0: 9. Very good. Wait, what did 22. you get? Anthony. Jesus. Yeah, what did Jarzak get? Uh 9. Oh, okay. So Such I suppose I Nor. Sleep. What?
4: <laughs>
0: Wait, what did you say?
4: For Anthony. Yeah, 22.
0: Apparently you were like, I don't know, I guess we we're ready for the day or something. But Norhill and Anton are the only ones who hear it. But Anton definitely hears it first. Meanwhile, Klikka and Jarzek are starting their 10-year sleep. Um, but yeah, uh Anton, you hear the sounds of a lute playing in the distance. Somebody playing a fair little ditty melody, and in Like, sort of response to birds chirping, he seems to be attempting to play like a birdie little tune back and then kind of gives up and starts playing, like, today's gonna be the day. And then here the birds all vacate with flapping wings. What would you like to do as you're still within the tent?
4: I think he's gonna say, Did you guys hear that music? Um, He says, did you guys hear that music? And he starts to head out the tent.
0: Is the music good? Not particularly. It definitely sounds like somebody's working out a new act out here, not expecting anybody. And as Anton pops out of the tent and looks around the direction where the voice was coming from, you look down uh, down the hill that you guys are mounted on and down by the little trickling stream at the base of it, you can see what appears to be a man who seems to be, maybe half-elven, just by his lie the appearance and his long hair, and he seems to be strumming a lute while standing over a stream, and it looks like he might be taking a leak while he's playing.
2: Who could possibly be up and about raising a racket at this time of day in such a place?
4: There are morning people in Orhill. There are morning people. Yeah. Is it a healthy stream?
0: You know, the trickling of the stream, it looks pretty good. And also, it looks like he's peeing pretty good as well.
2: <laughs> Brooke looks fine to me. I don't understand why you laugh.
0: He's not faith in you. You can't tell. But with that, he's just there doing that. And as you guys keep talking, he starts like looking side to side, all kinds of concerned, real quick. And you see him like like slide his loot on the strap to his back, and quickly jingle and pull pants up. And he turns around real fast and sees Anton standing up on top of the hill with Norhill peeking his face out of the tent flap. And he gives a quick wave and gives a nod and a bend, and he says, "The name's Starbreeze, Gondolin Starbreeze." Pulls his loot back out and just
4: can I hear him well? Like how far away is he?
0: 50 feet he's like down at the bottom of the hill he just you guys are like perfectly perched in a little outlet there and he's just down at the bottom of it and he like looks up at the top and he sees you guys up there
4: I think it's a musician of sorts it's the a rest musician. of the
0: group yeah, as he shouts it up at you he says musician I am far more than a musician and he looks in his fly still down he zips it up real quick and he says I am a minstrel a teller of tall tales please let me come up and tell you tall tales, and with that, the captain seems because to shout out from out of the tent. His... Wash your hands, <laughs> <laughs> and with that, he turns around, puts his hands back in the water. He was just a, uh... and he starts splashing his hands around. <laughs> he turns back around again, looks up at <laughs> you guys, and the captain starts to like sit up in his bed with a look of like shock, as if like remembering some horror, and he says, "Starbreeze." Oh, no.
2: You know this shouldn't be so
0: And he says, unfortunately, many of us do. And so as you can hear, the rocks kind of scrambling aside as he seems to be scaling the mountainside. Uh, Doodle and Starberry seems to be coming up to you. So what would you guys like to do?
4: Anton's going to give him some breakfast.
2: Uh, Norhill is going to stand outside the tent to meet him so that he doesn't try to invite himself in.
0: So as he I'll comes up to, to the
4: top, ready.
0: <laughs> as he comes up to the landing, he says, well, my name, as I have introduced previously, is Doondalyn Starbreeze. And he gives sort of a, a light bow here. And you can tell from looking at his pants and his fancy clothing here with his Many pockets and many sort of buttons and facets and threads holding clothing together. This guy, when we say traveling minstrel, is like the most cliche looking like Tumbler's outfit and everything. He's got curled shoes, but he has a look of panache to him that seems to show that he's not just some like traveling fool. He seems to have like some genuine skill and and some level to him as if the facade of him being a bumbling oaf might just be part of an act or sort of a disarming entry. You know what I mean? as he looks to you with a very keen look on his face, one that you wouldn't expect from some kind of fool like this. But with that, he looks to all of you and he says, care to tell me your names? Perhaps I've heard of you. I tend to get around. And his eyebrows bob in a very strange way.
2: Uh, You address Norhill Hammerstone, Lord of the Halls of Silver and Steel. Uh, May I ask what brings you to such a place, minstrel?
0: Um, as you say your name, he starts to like hold his hand out and like to himself inwardly. He starts like on his fingers kind of counting out. He's like, Norhill, Hormill, Bore, Bore Still, Steel Wheel Wheel. I'm not getting much of anything, but it's good. It's a good start. And he says, uh, what am I doing here? Well, I'm looking for people like you. See, I heard of a dragon attack and I thought this would be a great time. To begin my next epic. lego
3: rolls out of bed. Just um did did we do it? Has it been ten years? Eight hours, Clika. Oh. Oh. But Kleeko's not tired knows. anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very well that he says oh there are more who else is in that tent show me more of the band of heroes and he turns to Anton and says what was your name again
4: Anton of Glory Week would you like any breakfast
0: he says no 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 I think you've given me my meal ticket in a way you wouldn't even understand and he pulls up his ludicrous oh yeah he could have
4: gotten his morning mud pie
0: (laughs) well anyway he pulls out his lute and he he starts to play a very very somber series of very sad notes and he says glory wake fallen in the morning glory wake done to dragon's fire orcs have come and killed them all he's
4: like what about orcs?"
0: he says well if you'd let me get to the good part you'd understand okay Now I have to start all over again. He plays a somber series of voices. In words, (laughs)
4: not in song. What has become of my home?
0: He says, okay, fine. I'll do it a (laughs) cappella. And he says, (laughs) Glory Wake. He says, well, it's gone in the morning. It's fallen like dragon's flame. The orcs killed everyone and they took them all away. Oh, was it so hard to listen to that part? You know, this is what I do for a living. Okay, do you go to a brewery and tell them you want to eat the hops? Is that what you do? Who are you? Anton of Glory wake. And he just spits at the ground real quick. And he says, are you still offering that mud pie? I am famished. <laughs> oh my
4: God. <laughs> it just holds his tongue and he says, I am come." Come to find a way to save my home. How is a man reacting to telling his home is in ruins? You can tell me a thousand times and I won't believe it.
0: He says, but what if I sang it? (laughs) Glory, Wake?" And he just like, I'm trying to figure out, does that sound better there? And he just keeps kind of like trying to feel out the tune. He puts one finger to his ear and he's like, Nope, that's definitely noted. Because he wants to.
4: You don't sing of such terrible things.
0: Guys, I, was like, I
3: says, think there's a strange sing man outside. You go see if it's, if it's good or bad.
1: Yeah, it was like he was singing about orcs. I was like, What about orcs? And uh, he was busy singing. He's he's so loud. Like, uh... Hey.
3: Yeah, how are you supposed to sleep for 10 years?
0: I don't know. That's weird. But with that um hearing voices inside the tent, he says, "There are more. Show yourselves. Please."
3: Kleeka comes out in her nighty. Uh yeah, hi, I'm Kleeka. I'm going to go get dressed.
0: And with that he says, "Kleeka, my God, child of destiny. Here, I have a song for that one too. Licks his finger and he uh, seems to like sit down, squat with his legs crossed and starts slapping on his legs in a very like ham bony kind of like. And he's just like. <laughs> and then, but that song really gets going, he says, child of destiny. It's more of an abstract piece I'm working on. I don't think many people are ready for ham-boning yet, but the
1: ham bard is on his way. That is me. Well, anywho. While well,
2: I can appreciate a man at his craft, I must warn you that this area isn't safe, and you probably be best to begin making your way back to the safety of home.
0: And he says, safety of home? Where do, you th- where do you think I came from? I came from Fort Evergreen. Is that not where you're headed?
2: Uh, man, Norhill's going to turn to the captain uh, with a look like, you know this man?
0: And with that, he he's still just like rubbing his eyes and his face like as if like he's just been through hell and back. And it's like, I've literally watched everyone in my village die. And now, with this guy, is the only other person from the village who lives. This
1: fucking bozo.
0: (laughs) He's like, who, me? And so, with that, he says, yes, I know Doondelin. And then, naturally, Doondelin is like, Doondelin Starbreeze. He caused a lot of trouble in the village, and he hasn't been really allowed back since. But some people have a soft spot for an idiot. And with that, he says, And so with that, he says, I came from the fort. I wanted to get my feet on the ground and see the dragon for myself.
3: Jarzak, you gotta go outside and introduce yourself. He might have a song about you.
1: Uh, Hey, I'm Jarzak. And he says, Hold on just a minute. Say that again. Uh, Hi, I'm
0: Jarzak. You should have done that this entire campaign. That voice is amazing. Has somebody in the group already been saying, Hi, I'm Blink?
1: No, it's just me, Jarzak.
0: Good, because your voice is some kind of angelic. And trust me, I know angelic, and I know voices. Here, try this. Say, do-da-dee-da-doo. Do-da-dee-da-doo. And so his jaw drops, and he says, My god, I think I found it. My accompaniment. Sir, would you be willing to take a level of bard and go on an adventure with me? What? A, le- a level? What's that?
1: I think it's okay. just
0: weeping in the back.
1: <laughs> <It's story laughs> uh, uh, Jar. Jar-Zak,
2: a level is a tool for making sure that horizontal angles are straight.
1: Uh what does that have to do with parts? Do they use I'm that for instruments? I know
2: nothing of music.
1: Uh, that sounds too wild for me. I can't play instruments. He says, "I can only." I say, may have seen.
0: I may have seen the dragon kill many, and I may have seen the fort fall. I've seen elves with their eternal lives ended, but I have seen true tragedy today. You don't know what you could have given the world
1: what was your name again? You don't know what you could have given me. Charzac.
0: His face scrunches in a way as if like everything he thought was artistic now might just be you being a simpleton and he's like "Uh." anyway so I went to that fort indeed I saw the dragon, the frost wind
1: and you killed it? (laughs) so we don't I have wish to I, he says I wish I could say
0: I killed it instead I cowered and wrote song lyrics did that help anyone I don't think so Klee well tell you what they'll never forget what happened because of my song Wh- who won't forget anybody who wants to hear the history of the attack on Fort Evergreen this is elementary what is the disconnect here I'm so confused the captain I, just says, can we just go to the fort ourselves?
2: I think that would be for the best.
0: Goon like stretches forward and he says, perhaps I should paint the picture so you don't have to go. Please, can, don't. Can you do that while we pack
3: up camp? Also, can you Perfect. feed Shawl? <laughs> Cleek <laughs> just
0: gives him a thing of dog food and a comb. He just looks so confused. So he picks up the comb and he starts going like puts it up to his mouth. Shal just runs over when it it sees the bag of food. (laughs) Knocks him to the ground in the pile. Uh, But with that he says I was at the fort when it was attacked. The elves helped protect out as best they could and unfortunately most had died. A few of them still remain and quite poetic really as he starts to tear up feeding the dog dog food. The captain of the Elven Guard, he stands there to this day. He swore away from back, entering into elven lands. He would wait until the last soldier came back. The dragon fear was so tremendous, they broke rank almost immediately. I was cowering in a pool of my own inspiration, and I I didn't run, but many did, and he waits for them to return. Truly a hero, unlike whoever you people are, sitting in tents.
3: It looks like you still have some inspiration on your pants, and Klika just starts casting Mending.
0: He looks down he says, you know, it was hard to play and go at the same time. But the point is, <laughs> okay, there's really not much left there. A few soldiers are helping, but that's pretty much just in a sense of optimism that somebody might come back. Perhaps you can learn more if you speak with the captain, but I'm afraid he's uh, not really much willing to talk to anyone. Uh, Trust me, I've asked him plenty of questions, and he told me to go die, which I think was an elven word. I don't really know. My elven is a little rusty. I think go die might be elvish for good luck, good travel. It's not... Uh, You wouldn't understand. You're just a goblin. (laughs) <laughs> just responds back in
3: elvish no, no word for good uh, travel and good luck
0: is that she says no word for that he turns to you and he says what business is it if my aunt is going to the picnic or not honestly I don't know what you had to bring that up for but the point is if you'd like to go there I can help show you the way the captain stands up out of the tent and he says we know the way and he says Fine, then I'll just accompany you and entertain. Did you finish brushing shawl
1: yet?
0: And he looks down and starts bringing the comb to the dog's teeth and like just going back and forth on his teeth with like <laughs> a little he says, I don't know what What are you planning on kissing the dog later? This is disgusting. Maybe. And So he says <laughs> goblins attacked the tower and much was lost. But the dragon is really what did him in. There was one dragon who, I mean, one bugbear who called thunder and lightning and blinded many of the men and deafened other ones. And the forces came in in darkness and their attacking was just so brutal. But, yes. If you'd like, I could show you. And the captain just kind of rolls his eyes and gets ready to shove him back down the hill he climbed up. But (laughs) he holds himself from it. And says, uh, the captain turns to you guys and he says, shall we take him with us? I
2: think he's liable to get himself killed if we do otherwise.
0: With that, Dylan is already standing up and he's kind of looking over at uh, Anton and being like, I mean, I guess we could take him, but I think it might be a risk.
3: You know, the greatest heroes have to carry the heaviest burdens.
0: <laughs> he says, it's true, you know. Quite true.
1: Like a pet shawl, oh. and then Pet looking little gets on the dog. So
3: there, there.
0: He starts following the group as they uh, pack up all their things and start heading to the fort. And within an hour or two, you guys are able to get to the fort. And this fort looks like it had like a meteor crash through it, as like the whole frontward face of the thing collapsed. And much of like the the pinnacle of the tower, like the top piece there, has just like caved and crumpled in underneath it. And instead what you see are a series of like small tents surrounding it, sort of miniature versions of the tents that you guys have. Um, But in the distance, you can see, as you start to climb up the hill slope up to the tower, you see a single elf who seems to be standing at the watch up on top of the tower, or at
1: least what's left of the pinnacle and sort of looking down and surveying the surroundings.
3: So what would you like to do? Enter. Hail down the captain, I guess.
4: Yeah, I think he needs to take the lead at this part.
3: Who's going to take the lead? Captain. Our captain captain that's traveling with us, not the fort captain.
0: And so with that, he looks back and forth at all of you guys, and he holds his hand up in a sound of hail up to the elf there, and he yells up and he says, Hail, I wish to... uh, Uh, we wish to speak with whoever is in charge here. And the elf looks back down at you guys. And as his hair flows elvishly in the breeze, he turns away and looks off to the distance and stands on like the edge of the crumbling pinnacle. And a couple of elves in little camp down there seem to approach you guys. Both of them seem to be armed. And as they see the signs of Hillhide, On the captain's clothing, they approach peacefully, lowering their weapons as they do. But they look to be haggard as well. And they approach, and one of them chimes in in the common tongue with a very broken accent. And he says, what is your business here? The captain says, my companions were hoping to speak with the captain. And so they just kind of look at you guys, and they say is there something that we could potentially answer for him? We've been here just as long as he. And there's sort of a weird air to the fact that they're talking about answering for the captain.
3: Is he not able to speak with us? Is he, he doesn't look busy.
0: With that, they sort of look back and forth at one another quickly and briefly as they can. And the other one chimes in, he says, he hasn't spoken to anyone since The dragon was last here. He's been waiting for everyone to return, but, as they kind of lean in and whisper, we think his spirit is broken. He has lost a lot here, and he's given up much to come out here. The queen herself told him to leave if he needed to, but he felt it was something worth doing.
3: The elves have a lot of pride, it seems.
0: Gundalin <laughs> stands forth and he says, True. I have known many an elf. I am half of one indeed. And I am very proud. Proud of many things. Did you know I can juggle? <laughs> and he starts juggling three rocks.
3: I think it just says some elvish idiom for... Someone who talks a lot, but doesn't say anything important
0: yeah. under her breath. Both of the Elvish guards look to you with a look of bewilderment and then look over at the guy and start to like. And with that uh and Starbreeze sort of stops. He catches all three of the uh, the rocks here and he turns to you and he says, I resent that. You haven't even tried my fresh baked bread.
3: Well, Klingo really looks forward to it
0: they will start cracking up some more. But with that, they sort of realize where they are as they look and see a half-eaten, frozen body on the ground and sort of have a moment of like, oh, that's right. And so they turn to you guys and say, if you'd like to, you could try to speak with the captain, but I'm afraid it's probably not going to work out.
2: Well, perhaps you can at least get us started on a few questions. Sure. Uh, So, Norhill wants to get an idea of, like, the general events of the battle, uh, what they know about the dragon in particular, and whether or not they can tell us anything about getting to the peak without having to scale the mountain itself.
0: Okay. So, uh, the Quick and Dirty, they tell you that the bugbears and the goblins, uh, the goblins were sent in as fodder. The bugbears came in as sort of like shock troops and elites that came in as like a second wave to really break the ranks and to take many of them out. But the dragon arrived third as sort of to really break the battle, Uh, showing up when everything was looking like half matched between the two of them. And with the dragon's fear, most of them just left the battlefield. But those that stayed succumbed to what the elves have trouble describing. But essentially, they say that the dragon has some sort of a strange breath ability whereby it breathes into like its wings kind of like how you know bats wrap themselves up breathes in and pushes that gust out and said most of the soldiers who were preparing to attack the dragon were frozen in place and couldn't move before the dragon came in with its actual breath shredded most of them with icicles and whatnot but they said that the uh the soldiers didn't take any like slaves or prisoners or any trophies back. And instead really what they did was take whichever viable gear they could take. So they took old siege weapons and machinery that they could grab, disassembled them as they were leaving and just took all that stuff and left. Uh, as far as like an easy path to get up the mountain goes, they all say that there's definitely trails that lead up there as stones reach used to be, like a lookout point that elves knew about as well. And that there's an old frozen palace at the peak. Um, it's something that nobody's really been to in forever. And they sort of assume the dragon must know about this and must have taken it as a layer. But they said, because of that place has so many paths that lead up to it. There's probably a pretty good chance that you guys, if you can follow the general trail, will probably have a pretty okay time getting up there. There's probably going to be a lot of difficulty with actually following the main trail But assuming that it's bugbears and goblins that are carrying heavy machinery all the way up, it'll probably be pretty evident which way they went.
2: And they'll also be very well entrenched. We need something a little bit more unconventional. Clearly don't have the numbers for a siege. Um.
0: Yeah, and the way it sounds, they're looking to peel out of here and go back to elven territory. Not only because of the dragon, but the general sense that the Herald of Steel has been kind of pushing. And this is sort of like a courtesy that these guys, the elves, have done for the humans by protecting Fort Evergreen. But um the frozen palace
3: isn't floating, right? Because out of the Not two this time. you know, Royal Elven places Cleek has been, one of them was floating. So She's not sure how common that is.
0: And yeah, from they what they know who built the palace?
2: Or no. they, is there a mm. history check on that?
0: From what they know, and they can tell you, is it must have been giants. But this was a long, long time ago. This was like back before the War of the Bleeding Stones. Like this palace is as old as the Mountain Peak. Granted, it's not large and like fancy. It's just like a very, very, you know, I don't know, very distinct location. You know what I mean? So palace is a big word to be using for a place like this, but still. But yeah.
1: So with that in mind, what would you guys like to do?
3: Well, do we want to try and talk to the captain before we go? Um, I'm not sure, Darum, what you want to do now
0: either. And he's he just says that if they're abandoning Fort Evergreen, that he's gonna try to take whatever soldiers that are humans here, whatever ones are left, and try to bring them back and see what he can do about that. See if anybody returned from the dragon sphere, as most people who survived the initial assaults probably came to fort evergreen for protection you know what i mean so he's going to try to scrabble up what he can for civilians and soldiers that are left and try to move back
3: are you going to maybe go to a different town in sulfide or are you going back to your town
0: he says the capital has been lost There's no question about that and that Hill probably the safest place just because it's been so ransacked and with so few people it might be the safest spot but if not I mean that's really all they got.
3: You could try taking whoever's left to um, Enten. We have friends there who would welcome you. It's been relatively unaffected so far by the maelstrom and everything else that's happening
0: and with that he sort of chuckles a little bit to himself thinking about how far of a trek that is for just a bunch of random people and like people who have survived to this and so with that he says i appreciate the gesture and i appreciate the invitation he says We will go to Hillhide and we will decide what to do next. We won't have much of a safekeeping there, but I wouldn't want to try to take all these people and, you know, travel across the continent like that. Unless, you know, they were ready and well defensed. So we'll have to figure it out when we can.
3: Well, just make sure to give the wombats lots of space.
0: He just looks very frustrated by this. But as Doondal and Starbreeze appears to begin doing a wombat impression to irritate him. But um pooping out squares. Um but the uh yeah, (laughs) I don't know what comes next after that. Um
1: Okay.
2: Well uh, Dorhill will thank the elves for the information. And I'm not sure what more we could get by talking to your captain, though. I do wish him well, I suppose. It looks like we're going to need to start planning a track as well as we can.
0: And so with that, they offer to give you guys some rations if you need to, and some supplies like climbing gear and whatnot, whatever they can muster. That would definitely
2: be good. Uh, Do they have any maps of the mountains around here?
0: I mean, they'll see what they can grab out of the basement to see if they can find you anything good. Um, But yeah, so over the next hour or so, they are able to get you guys uh, enough climbing gear to to suffice for the party, um, as well as a very general map for the first part of the trek sort of giving you sort of like uh idea of where like the major landmark, like landing pads on the track are as if there's sort of like kind of like how Everest has bases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's sort of like, like one scenic landing and then a second scenic landing and the rest is just scaling to the summit. So for what it's worth, you have a pretty general idea of how to get there. So doing survival checks to try to find your way are going to be at advantage using this. But I will say I need a spot check from the party Yes. Or, yeah, perception, perception check. Perception. <laughs> uh,
4: 15.
0: 13. 17. Okay. Seven. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Um, so I suppose everybody, except for Jarzak, um, sees this, but as you guys are heading into the fort... Uh, you can see that there's sort of a mass grave that's been dug and they've kept it open, though sort of like respectfully distanced from the uh, fort itself. And they've been kind of loading up different corpses out here from, you know, goblins and whatnot. But sort of respectfully adjacent from that, there are quite a few bodies that have been sort of draped over with sheets. But there's so many of them that a lot of them don't have sheets and instead have sort of like... Tents kind of covering them But from what you can see from looking In that general direction The party recognizes one of the dead bodies On the ground over there And see that Sirithal The elf that you had met before Seems to be dead Among the ranks Laying on the ground Wounded And it doesn't seem like anybody Seems to even notice or like Recognize that you guys would even know him and they sort of just lead you to the fort to assemble all the gear and everything as if that didn't happen at all.
4: And Anton, well, I guess Anton kind of wants to do the same thing he did with, like, the pea farmer and see if he can get a, a word out of him, but he doesn't know if to find that disrespectful, but in a way he kind of wants to try to get a word out of him.
0: Well, if you remember from your trek into the uh, Falvere wood, the, uh, Elves, spirits aren't with their bodies when they die And instead return to the woods So oh, yes. to speak with his spirit You'd actually have to go find him in the woods
4: oh, son of a God. But, Never mind.
0: but with that Everybody recognizes him pretty, pretty clearly but, Do
3: we still yeah. have the uh silver key he gave us From way back when? The castle? Yeah
0: I would imagine so. Uh,
3: I guess Klikka will go over and lay that down with him. Okay.
0: Yeah, and as you approach and go to look at him, some of the elves that were hanging out over here and a few human soldiers go to stop you guys as you go to walk over there and kind of like try to block you, but not in like a disrespectful way, but in like a you don't want to go over here kind of way. And as you guys push past, yeah... Uh, Cyrethal is like brutally wounded from like torso down. And it is, it looks like it was probably a pretty swift death, but seeing him laying here peacefully and remembering the torment that he had gone through himself, it sort of gives you almost a sense of peace knowing that like his pained life has come to an end. And I imagine Jarzak has sort of a, I don't know, I would say like a kinship with him but after being wounded and you know contracting the lycanthropy from him there's almost a sense of like i don't know probably a stronger bond and especially knowing how much the deceiver kind of like hated that connection to anybody else it almost feels like syrith got away one when Shaythantil died but two it's like he was free of the pain of having been shackled to anybody for so long you know what i mean yeah. So, definitely not a not a good feeling. But as you guys look down at him, one of the Elvish guards approaches, and in Elvish, he kind of asks you guys if you knew him. Um. He just, nope. Yeah. <laughs> he just looked kind of weird.
3: He was the first person who called me the child of destiny. As Kliga lays the silver key down with him. Uh, he told mm-hmm. us stories, elven stories, and we traveled together for a little while.
0: Well, that, one of the human soldiers kind of chimes in. He says, I don't really speak Elvish, but um, uh, he was a good man. I don't know what his name was, but when the goblins attacked, he showed up out of nowhere, and he just joined the fight. He wasn't wearing any armor, and he didn't really have very much for weapons, but I don't know. He fought to defend a lot of innocent people. And again, all graciousness to the elves, as he gives kind of a quick and almost fearful nod to them, he says, I wouldn't expect many people to throw away an eternal life to protect people they don't know. So, whoever he was, he was a good man and he gives sort of a respectful nod to all of you. And thinking he probably outstayed
1: his welcome, he just kind of hurries out of there.
3: Well, I'm glad he was able to find rest here, and I hope his spirit is with the other elves in the woods. And click is going off.
4: go back to his gloomy state. He's like just thinking, how many more recognizable faces are we gonna see? He's starting to get real gloomy again.
0: This is surreal. Like how did he he's even like, get this
4: is a, Like, This isn't gonna be like the <laughs> last thing that they're gonna see, is it? I think that's what it, I think that that realization is starting to hit him.
0: I was gonna say, like Anton's looking at what happened to one single fort defended by few. He's just thinking about Glory Wake and whatever that looks like now.
2: I know! He's
0: but, like I mean, there's panningly. a level... There's definitely a level of trust with the, uh you know, with the uh, the High Priest and knowing that he even said that they took them all there to Gorgareth. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's going to be dead, but, like, that wasn't the purpose, you know what I mean? Whereas this actually felt like more of a purposed, like, you know what I mean? Yeah,
4: but still... It
0: hurts. It hurts. Yeah, I'm not going to diminish what happened by any means, but
3: at yeah, least I, you know. Yeah, it's like it's just thinking in her mind about the series of events that led to this, in the sense that like, if they had never gone up to Bolt's Crag, the Kieran wouldn't have appeared, and then the Uh-oh. dragon wouldn't have been pushed out, and if they had never gone the Glory Wake to do the resurrection they never would have ended up in the selvir woods and met syrith all to begin with and all these things just sort of like coming together and this was the result and she like looks at him and sees that he is in peace but just doesn't know if the world was better off or if she we couldn't have done things differently. Like she can see
0: the lines that connect from A to B to this is C. Especially being around elves again and remembering what the queen said herself, the queen Palliodea trees, uh, she, you know, saying to you that like being the child of destiny, you sort of weave people around you and being such a powerful star and having all star signs bound to you. I mean, you start to recognize how much, like, whenever Klikka goes anywhere, all the other constellations and threads get dragged along with her. And so knowing that, like, Sirithal could have just been some guy, and if you hadn't, like you said, like, been influenced in all these different ways and been around him, like, who knows what could have happened to him. It could have literally just been your fault for having decided to help out with whatever that beast in the woods was. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, it, it definitely rings very true to you that like the child of destiny and the fact that he was the first one to call you that, it, it sort of rings more as like uh like a like a death toll rather than like a, like a very fine name. It's more of like a curse, you know what I mean? But right
4: thinking along yeah. those lines, Anton's just thinking back to the fight they had a few nights ago. Flicker ever. Did click did ever attack Seraphall with Flicker?
0: Oh, there was mm-hmm. just that one fight where we. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Kleeka
3: actually he, he, attacked Seraphall at all during that. That was a bad fight for Kleeka, if I remember. Yeah, that's it wasn't very thing, good
0: for a few people.
4: It's the only thing that, like, Anton's all of a sudden, like, like, when they're like, I hope his soul is at peace. He's like...
0: <laughs> Anton's the only one who knows. Like, yeah, I'm sure he's doing great. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's really... He's really pretty Meanwhile, had <laughs> the cash register. just like, ching I don't know. But, oof. Okay. And so with that, the party is free to head on their way. And so... Yeah, uh, with that, the party begin their ascent into the mountains, unless you had other plans.
2: Not really. Uh, how many rations did the elves give
3: us?
0: Uh, they're going to give you the, like, you know, our campaign version of the longest bread there. So you guys get very, very minute rations, but like weighing only a pound, but being able to stretch out at least a 10-day. So and ten for what you can gauge... Yeah, from what you can gauge from Just good berry season, muffins Essentially <laughs> But like it it looks like it's probably going to be About three days trek to get up to the top Assuming all goes well Did we want to try to talk to The
3: captain of the fort at all Or are we going to just sort of leave him be To look majestic up there
2: I think it's best to leave him be He has a lot on his mind.
3: Maybe once we finish our task, we'll be in better spirits.
0: As you guys are looking up at the captain and sort of having a moment to think about it, you see that uh, Doondalyn is standing there sort of like trying to mimic his pose and trying to get his hair to flow in the wind too. Trying to like copy the majestic pose of it all. But as you guys are sort of starting to plan out your next move here, the captain, as well as about eight guards, or at least eight soldiers, and what looks to be about like 30 people who have come out of the basement, he says that he's got everything he needs and he's ready to take everybody back to Hillhide. He's going to try to talk to, uh, to Bacalop, Gelp, and see if maybe the Hill Troll would be willing to hang out a little bit closer while they need him for the time being. Um, but they assume that they're probably pretty safe now. And with that, the captain gives you all sort of a fine and happy nod and turns to Klika and sort of gives sort of an apologetic glance and says, I obviously meant no harm by this. And as a person who's lost pretty much everything in his home, I. I'm sorry for how I behaved. And he says, I think you are Fine young lady and you are all brave heroes for deciding to come out here and go on your quest and i think i can speak for everybody here when i say we're rooting for you and if there's anything we can do to help we will and he sort of looks over at um at norhill and says we will go to Enten. i've spoken with the people and we agree that after we get our bearings and prepare ourselves we will go there
2: I'm sure that the people there would be happy to have you. Uh, watch your way around Dustwind. That is the last is indication that? of an attack <laughs> yeah. by the Iron Maelstrom.
0: And they immediately, you see tons of people get really scared by this mention, and they start to kind of like <laughs> regret their decision really quick. But as he uh, seems to steal the, the gang there and sort of give like a quick nod, and he says, we will fight bravely if we have to. We'll fight the good fight as you have done so before. And they all give kind of nods and have a sort of a look of confidence with this, but not too much confidence. And as they start heading away, um, your friend Doondalen, who is now standing next to you guys, begins to wave them away be like, yes, you know, it's a shame he couldn't join our party, but unfortunately he's got a place to be.
2: I expect you to be with
0: them. And then he says, what are you kidding I'm not allowed to hang out with them I got kicked out of that town ever since the captain the <clears throat> uh, it doesn't matter plus think about how much I could help you
3: okay click imagines match helping he he starts like
0: holding his hands like uh click uh? is trying really hard he's <laughs> He just intensifies. <laughs> I'm afraid, that, says, you can. I'm, I'm afraid <laughs> that I
2: can't imagine much use for a minstrel on the battlefield. However, where I imagine you could be helpful is any place where there are large groups of people with spirits that need lifting. Whatever you might have done in the past, now is the time to leave that behind and begin
0: anew. He is furiously writing down everything you're saying, and he's like, "This is good stuff. That's very inspiring. I should tell that to somebody someday too." But until then, I'm coming with you because I have sworn a bardic oath to follow you and recount your tales. When? star breeze. When did you do that? If you're doing oath. it right now, stop. <laughs> and he he takes a knee and he starts no. to lower his head to you. He lifts his hands up with his loot. <laughs> and just smack it out of his hands and be like, "No."
2: What is the wording of your oath?
0: And he kind of looks up at you, and as the uh, loot has been smacked out of his hands, his slide whistle still just in goes his mouth, chasing after it. <laughs> he <laughs> looks <up> at <laughs> you with the slide whistle still in his mouth, and he says, "Well, I will follow you into battle until, well, I suppose the quest is done. I shall recount the tales, and I shall be the one." To tell the story. Oh, oh,
3: oh, if you come up with a good name for our party, plus a Goliath, a Dragonborn, a Thrycream, and maybe a Gnome who wasn't supposed to be there but was there anyway, let us know because we need a name for our picture.
0: I've got an idea Starbreeze and Company.
3: This is terrible.
0: Clinka yeah, regrets Starbree- it already. He says, as he's writing it down already, "Star breeze (laughs) and company." Very well. Well, I'll have to eat somebody else's food as I did not procure any from the elves. They also don't like me, and somebody's going to have to give me winter clothing. I imagine it's cold up top. In fact, does anybody have a weapon?
1: Yeah, here,
0: here's an axe. (laughs) <laughs> he says, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was saying, does anybody have a weapon to protect me? I also have a vow of not fighting. No, here,
1: hold this axe.
0: He says, I feel like this is a joke. I feel like I'm, I'm about to be pranked in somehow. It's a potentially, it, but It's a weapon. Yeah, okay, so he, he picks up the axe and it seems to tilt him over a little bit with its weight and he holds it in his hands and he says... This feels very cold and strange, and probably of something in alignment that I shouldn't be touching.
1: Yeah, you definitely shouldn't be. I'm very confused and scared by you.
0: I will write about this. Yeah, come up with a better party name. What is wrong with your arm, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? There seems to be a bit of armor missing everywhere else, but your hand? That thing looks safe. Anything,
1: yeah? You want to
2: see? We can send you away, and I'll not have oath breakers on my watch. So long as you don't get in our way and you can carry your weight, I don't suppose there's anything we can do about it, is there?
0: And with that, can I get a history check and an insight check from everybody? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to put you out with a with a check.
2: Uh, let's see. The history check is a nine.
0: Okay. You've never Eight. heard of a promise, but then again, you don't know many bards because dwarves are practical people, not idiots.
2: The insight is a natural one for a total of four.
0: This guy has sworn for... himself to you.
4: You got one? <laughs> and so I got a 10 for insight and a six for history. I got
1: an 18 know just for as... insight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so as as he's making his little proposal and promise here, what did we? What did Klika get? I got a fourteen history. I don't have insight. Right. from what you can tell, from oh, you can roll for insight anyway. I don't care. Oh boy, that's a two. I would. I wouldn't. Does, that, differ- does oh.
1: that mean I could also roll history?
0: No, because history requires actual studying. But anybody can have an insight. Yeah, I mean, you could have heard something uh, in passing. Insights are like assholes. that's so strange (laughs) that is so strange I'm okay whatever we're not going to debate that but anyway Jarzak's the only one who really catches it Kliga has also never heard of a bardic uh, like oath at all and it sounds like kind of contrary to everything bards are about and Jarzak can tell this guy is bullshitting so hard right now and he has just found his loophole by appealing to the dwarf sense of oaths and he's just like I promise you with the uh, sworn oath of barddom where, uh, I, I have to help you until, uh, the time is nigh, and so forth, hark,
1: the day be long. Huh, that's weird, I didn't think Bards really, uh, I didn't think you, artsy singing folks, did the whole oath-keeping thing. Right, but I'm a tale-teller. I'm not yeah, artsy. That's I'm craftsy. Okay, that's in the same category. Are you the father of etymology? Get off me! You want to see my cool glove? Not
0: particularly, but now I feel like you're going to show me something that's supposed to scare me. Oh, no, I'll I'll let you wear it.
1: It's kind of cool. Your bones, is it? I got a thing about bones. (laughs) No,
0: it's not bones. (laughs) What? All right, because if it's bones, you're going to have to roll a deception check. And I warn you, I'm very good at detecting those. Mm.
3: Does that mean a lie? I don't understand a lot of the things this man says, (laughs) and I can speak every language.
1: Uh, but you can't speak subtlety Take off his gauntlet While hiding his gonna While hiding oh, his you're... hand And hand it to him Here try it on
0: And he says yeah I don't trust This thing as far as I could throw it Which ironically is not very far at all So I just You know
1: Oh no. yeah, good good thing. And right in front of him, he'll pull his hand out and just put it back in the glove. And so he sees the bone Just
0: he screeches. Oh. He just he just like screams, yeah. and his hair literally stands up for a second. He says,
1: "I told you anything about bones. It really messes you up." Yeah, and I told you it wasn't about bones. Looks like we're both liars.
0: I don't I don't <laughs> like him. Okay, I don't like him one bit. But he's part of the tale. We will call you.
1: Star Breeze's Underling. It's got a good ring to it. We'll call you Star Breeze, the Oathbreaker. I heard that class is pretty effective.
0: (laughs) All of a sudden, he's got the smites that you don't. Oh, God. This is
2: already too much for you. It's not too late to catch up with the folks going to end it.
0: Oh, this is a great time for me and I think that I firmly trust my judgment on a whim and I think that's the best time to make a choice my oath has been made there's no use Lord Norhill I am yours and your story is mine
3: here's Jarzak's fancy clothes because he hates them those will keep you warm click the fancy clothes
0: he's like why are they so dirty on the inside
3: yeah, Klika's working on that.
0: It, it it's just, just Klika looks in. It's just filled with dirt and mud. Like Jarzek. have you had dirty insides to your clothes all along? I stitched <laughs> the just mud into, into
1: it.
0: <laughs> it. It's just so much dirt in his shirt. There's <laughs> every chance he gets. He's not even eating; just dumping food down his shirt. <laughs> it's so nasty. <laughs> it's like well, it started as belly button lint, but. It's more of a full-body sweater at this point.
3: Click well, tried. <laughs> it's just there's only so much mending and prestidigitation can do. She's dedicated all of her <laughs> sorceric wi- wishing to getting a spell that can clean deeper.
0: You're right. We're going to get Billy Mays out here. But um, with that, um, those things. Uh, But yeah, so with that, I guess the party begins their uh, trek up into the mountains, eh? Right. And so... <laughs> As the party begin their way up, uh, passing the tree line for a small bit and passing by what appears to be the first of many, many ponds and lakes on the way up. Um, could I get a uh, perception check from the party? That's like three perception checks this game. That's like all we've had. Wild. Yeah. Uh, Norho got a 15.
2: That's a three. Is that, is that three or...
0: Okay. Tom got okay. 16 okay what about a jar smack
1: a 13
0: okay so everybody except for Klika, who's probably too busy listening to the many stories and lies of our new friend Doondalyn, Um, as right. the party begin their first day and eat their first ration it's been their first times up in the uh, mountains here really trekking into the rockier slopes of the Sunderspine um the next morning, as you guys are, are sort of on one of the higher cliffs and outcroppings here, uh, the party prepping a meal in sort of a cave mouth, you guys can see in the distance, sort of flapping in the wind, uh, a series of strange dragon looking critters. Which, if I could get a nature check or an arcana check, that would be cool. I don't 13 nature,
3: 14 arcana.
0: Okay. Unless and I can't
3: make it because I'm too busy trying to explain to Starbreeze that Klika is the biggest
0: in all of these stories that she's telling him, and, he and he's like, keep- "I was." He's like, "I was planning on making me the biggest. Don't worry, You're the only one who doesn't yell at me." Okay. And Nor-Hill, Norhill hasn't raised his voice to him yet. No, but Norhill is the comedic relief. You just don't get it yet. Yeah, you're the straight man. But, um, okay, and what did we get for the nature check? 13. Okay, so the 13, as the party look off into the distance and start to try to identify whatever these things are, uh, Jarzak can see, as they seem to be turning and heading more in your general direction than not, that these critters must be some variant of wyverns. And from what you know of wyverns, they are horrifically deadly and dangerous with a stinger that's not to be messed with. But these ones look to be of a color that sort of reflects the sky and the clouds, almost as if they're like frost wyverns or something, some sort of wintry form of of wyverns. But as you guys uh, look out there and see them in that general direction, uh, it seems like it might already be too late as they seem to be flapping your general direction and heading over here towards the caves. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things...
1: Dungeness.